three, two, it's all you. Welcome in here to the Lockdown Network and a crossover edition. I'm Trent Condon, joined by Jay Stevens on the Buckeye side of things. Hawkeyes versus Buckeyes coming up this week. Noon kickoff. It's a big nooner Eastern time for us here in the Central Time Zone. 11 a.m. as the Hawkeyes and Buckeyes collide for the first time since 2017. Well, Jay, I want to start there because that is really the only positive thing to talk about with Iowa this week. Uh, going into the game, both teams coming off of a bye week. And, and us here in Hawkeye land, we still have our memories of the greatness that was that 2017 game. Sorry to start on a sour note for you. I had a feeling that was going to happen. Iowa fans with the year that they're having this year, they want to talk about the glory days or the high <laughs> moments and high points. And that's one of the few that they, that's one that they can hold their hat on and go back to uh, some big 10 chip, big 10 championship conference championships. They won the two thousands. Yes. That was a long time ago. So most recently 2017 Ohio state, Iowa, I don't like the game. Buckeye fans want to forget about the game. But it's what Iowa could talk about going into this game to try to motivate themselves in what is a very weird year for the Iowa Hawkeye football team. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. The point spread here this week 29, 29 and a half. Army, I'm already looking at the team total under for Iowa this week. And we'll talk more kind of on the Hawkeye side. But I want to do talk about this Buckeye team and start. Kind of with 2017, I was a little bit surprised to hear Ryan Day this week, him bring up that one. Now, there's no players on the team, nobody that remembers that game, at least as a Buckeye player, but plenty of people on the program, inside that program, obviously grew up Buckeye fans, probably remember that game when they were in middle school, high school, whatever it was, but a little bit surprised there. Some scar tissue, uh, Ryan Day said, and a little extra motivation, I would guess, at the very least, saying, hey, I guess it's easy to to motivate a team saying that last time we saw him, we lost 55-24. Well, you have to remember, that was Ryan Day's first year on the coaching staff at Ohio State, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, JT Barrett's final year. And so Ryan Day, who had been an NFL guy, comes to college and he's like, whoa, this Iowa team. Things a little bit different than what I expected going into this game. Iowa played a phenomenal game, phenomenal on defense. And Ryan Day, I, I truly think that – loss lingers and stings a little bit more than you may want to say the Oregon loss from last year because it was his first year at Ohio State you always remember your first loss your first of something that's negative you remember that thing if you're a coach or a player and I firmly understand why Ryan Day brought that up this week and someone on the Ohio State side of things a media member talked about how Ryan Day had his game face on now some weeks you know coaches when they're behind the podium they don't have they're into it. They're in tuned. But they, but it seems like their focus is not is a little bit different, maybe a little bit lax. Or their focus was just a different form of their focus. But they said Ryan Day had his focus in his game face on earlier this week when he talked to the media. I firmly think it's because of what happened in 2017, his first year on the coaching staff, and he doesn't want that outcome to repeat this year. It's very easy to motivate the team when you have something like that lingering. And this Ohio State team, they're also built much differently than 2017. You know, the Iowa fans hoping that, hey, maybe Brian Ferentz will come up with a game plan again. I mean, it's only oh been five goodness. years <laughs> since the last time he had a good one. But that is the hope. Look, this offense is a whole lot different. How is Ohio State different? We see the Buckeyes. We watch the games. But this feels to me 
that was a very much a run-based team. This one is completely different with that wide receiver crew. And, of course, C.J. Stroud in comparison to Braxton Miller. Quarterbacks are, quarterback is different. J.T. Barrett and C.J. Stroud, um, different quarterbacks. Um, a two-headed monster right now this year with uh, Trevion Henderson and Mayan Williams. Not sure who's going to be the featured back or how the two-back rotation will go this week. Not sure who's going to be healthy. But those two guys are really, really talented. And Ohio State, I think, truly has two starting running backs. I wouldn't say either has played elite football this year, but they're two really good running backs. But the difference is really in the receivers. The receiving room is different. The receivers that are there is they are they're playing phenomenal. Some say the best receiver on the team is Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's not healthy. I think with what we've seen this year, there's an argument to be made that he might not be the best receiver at Ohio State. That's TBD to be determined to see once he gets on the field, how does he perform? Does he play this week? That's the projection, but nobody knows. Defensively, I think this team. Now, it's a different look. You're running three safeties. You're running two linebackers. Um, you have a, a D-end who sometimes is, is in a two-point stance in the B-gap or the A-gap. So there's a lot of schematic things that are different. But I think the focus this year is completely different than 2017. And it's all because of what happened last year in Ann Arbor. If that loss does not happen, I don't know if the team is as focused this year as they are right now. They're focused in their attention to detail and wanting to accomplish their goals that they set prior to the season. It's one of them is beat the team up north Thanksgiving weekend. You got to get there, but you got to get there and you got to prepare now for that game. I think the focus that we've seen this year is different and we feel it every single week. I want to go to that defense. And that's been kind of here lately. That has been the concern from Ohio State is that defense. Jim Knowles comes in. You know, we're at the crossroads here. We got Iowa State in the Big 12 and, of course, Iowa in the Big 10. And, and I get to cover both conferences, which is great and a lot of football to watch. I was so impressed what Knowles was able to do and kind of transform what Oklahoma State was, known just as an offensive team and turn them into what they were defensively a year ago. You mentioned what they're doing schematically and three safeties, having guys on the end stand up, those kind of things. Different against Iowa and the way that Iowa certainly is built here. Do you anticipate that they're going to change a little bit, kind of what they normally do just because of the way that I was built, old school pro style offense, or they're going to just be what we are. Hey, this is our defense and doesn't matter what system you're running. We're going to do our thing. So before the season, I would have automatically assumed that Ohio State would bring in a third linebacker, drop a safety, uh, not bring it, not have so much of a nickel look, but more of your traditional four, three, they might still move that defensive end. Who's in a two point stance at times and put him in the a gap or B gap in a two point stance there to kind of give a different look. Like what's he doing? Is he rushing or is he going to come in to the quarterback? Is he going to stay right there? Is he going to come three, three to five yards off on a scrimmage and spy? What's he going to do? But I really think we might see Ohio state try to stick to their traditional Four two five, and then trying to maybe change some things with the safeties. There's a, there's uh, Lathan Ransom who broke his leg in the Rose Bowl, who has been a safety that's been kind of in and out, rotating with Josh Proctor. Sometimes Proctor gets a lot of the snaps. Sometimes Ransom gets a lot of the snaps. And I think that depending on the matchup, you might see Ransom play a lot this week or Proctor. Really, all depends on how they play in the first few series. To re that really kind of de depicts how their reps go and plays go later in the game. So I think you might still see the 425 look, but you might see a heavier set. And I would, this is going to surprise me. I, I, I didn't think a 17-year-old kid would come to Ohio State, skip a senior year of high school and play. But Sonny Styles might be a guy, 6'4", 220, who might be somebody coming in in a 
in a game where you know you're going to see two tight ends, three tight ends. You might see it all for the tackle, have a, uh, 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 an eligible receiver number and line up at tight end. You might see that come in. I don't think we'll go away from the occasional three-lineman set or four-lineman set to go to a five-line set. I don't think we're going to go that route, more of a high school or middle school defense. But I still think you might see the two linebackers and then shifting about who is the safeties and who these safeties are on the field. I think that's the biggest thing you'll see in this game and trying to watch that chess match between Ohio State safeties and really trying to predict what the Iowa offense is going to do. So uh, one thing that Iowa has an advantage in pretty much every game they play is special teams. That is something great kicker. Drew Stevens, a, a freshman that has come in from the Carolinas. He's been excellent. And you couple that with one of the best punters in the country, Torrey Taylor. But it's not just that. They blocked two punts against Iowa State. The return game has been very good in the past. I mean, they, they really dedicate a whole lot of time to special teams. What about the Buckeyes? What do you see there? Now, I understand. You're scoring touchdowns instead of field goals, so you haven't had a whole lot of opportunities this year with Ohio State. But is that something that is talked about a lot? Is that something that maybe could be a weak area that it might end up 41-10, to 10, but they could get their <laughs> touchdown on special teams? Any hope there at all for the Hawkeyes and winning the special teams matchup? So I do expect that the Hawkeyes will have these better special teams in this game. Ohio State special teams have been a little weird. Noah Ruggles has been phenomenal. He had a game-winning kick uh, against Utah in the Rose Bowl. I think he missed a kick earlier in the year, but I think he's been automatic ever since that point. I want to say kicker, uh, and it wasn't, it, and it was not Noah Ruggles. I think last name is Fielding. Forget his first name at the moment. I kicked a kickoff out of bounds at one point. I'm like, what's going on? The highlight is Jesse Merkel, the punter, the Aussie, who just does everything amazing, um, who's kind of just been one of those guys like Pat McAfee from the Colts from years ago. He just instantly flips the field, Tory Taylor style, instantly flips the field from one side to the other. But Merkel barely punts the ball. But when he comes in, he's phenomenal. So I, that's like the one area where I have no issues is the punting game, but I don't think we'll see Jesse Merkel on the field quite a bit. The one Another issue is – as talented as Ohio State is and the skill, skill position players, how elusive and as great as they can be, the Buckeyes cannot figure out their return game for anything. It's confusing. Going into the season, I heard there were talks that a linebacker would be returning kicks, kickoffs for Ohio State. Now, granted, that linebacker was a former running back at Arizona State, a former high school running back in the state of Ohio. So I get, like, why you want to do that. The players are saying, oh, man, nobody here is faster than Chip Trainum. He's a linebacker. I, I understand he might be fast, but I don't think he's as elusive as Emeka Ekabuka or some other players on the team. Oh, Ekabuka is also some, someone that I believe had a muffed kick or a punt at one point as well. Like the special teams at Ohio State, it's a little tricky. And so I think Iowa has these special teams one already going into the game. I think even during the game, they'll have that area one. I don't think it will be enough for Iowa to win this game uh, this weekend against Ohio State. Yeah, win special teams and still lose on the scoreboard. We're going to talk more about the Hawkeyes. We'll flip it over here. Jay will ask me some questions about the Iowa side of things, and uh, it's not going to be pretty. We'll do that as we continue here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes and Buckeyes crossover podcast. Well, I got a buddy, Jay, that suffers from a lot of sweat, and he's a traveling salesperson. He's in his car all day long, and he has to bring dress shirts in his car, hang them up all the time because throughout the day, 
He sweats through his shirts. Doesn't matter if it's December. Doesn't matter if it's July. He's always got to be ready. Well, introduce him and everybody out there to Sweat Block. Helping out with your problem if there's somebody out there right now that suffers from embarrassing sweat. Sweat Block was created by a doctor to help with their own excessive sweating. It's doctor created and doctor recommended. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try Sweat Block. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. Jay, I'm going to be sweating. I'm already sweating thinking about this matchup. It is not going to be pretty. We throw it back over to you now in this crossover edition of Lockdown Hawkeyes and Lockdown Buckeyes. Take it away. What do you got for me? You don't have any concerns really, do you? Trent, concerns? Uh, Maybe a little, maybe a few, but I don't think the concerns I have right now or anything about what Iowa might do. It's more about Ohio State and how sound are they. But let's go a little – let's go – we're playing slow pitch softball. I'm going to give you a, a toss, a slow one right there in the sweet spot for you to just knock it out of the park. What's the story of Iowa right now that, so far this season? So the story has gone from bad to worse with the offense, and we are in now year number six of Brian Ferentz as the offensive coordinator. When we talked at the top about that 2017 game, yeah, Brian Ferentz was the offensive coordinator there, and he called a brilliant game. In fact, that along with the USC game and the Holiday Bowl a couple years after that, those are the high water marks. And outside of that, it feels like a guy that doesn't have a clue. It's a guy that doesn't know how to put an offense together. And we played Madden, right? You play NCAA football and excited for when the new one comes out next year. You play it on the video game system. And you're just picking plays, right? There's no rhyme or reason to it. And that's kind of Brian Ferentz. I don't know what this scheme is. Six years in, what's Iowa's identity? I know they want to try to run the football. They haven't been effective doing that. Offensive line play has been poor now for five of the six years, including this year, where they're ranked at Football Outsiders, the 121st offensive line in the country. This is Iowa. You know Iowa. When you think of Iowa, you think of offensive line. You think you need to run the football. They can't do that. They're young up front, but ultimately, this has gone from bad to worse because after last year, they won 10 games. They got to the Big Ten Championship. They won the West Division, and Kirk Ferentz decided, we're going to double down. Even as bad as the offense was, we're going to do this. Quarterback coach retires. Ken O'Keefe, who was the longtime offensive coordinator as well, back in the early uh, 2000s, in the early era of Ferentz. And he said, I'm going to give my son the job. And not only that, now he's going to become the quarterback coach. So you put something he's never done before. He was an offensive lineman, Brian was. It, this, You had an opportunity to evolve. Instead, Kirk said, we're going to double down on us. Well, you've doubled down and you have nothing left in the pocket because this offense is last in the country. And because of the nepotism, because of the frustration that comes from that, because it's daddy's little boy out there being an absolute moron at times, it has got really, really ugly very quickly, very decisive. And for an Iowa program that was good last year and did so many good things, it's got really, really ugly in Iowa City. Ugly in Iowa City. That's a great way to describe a few things you can look at if you look at the stat sheet. But you mentioned Brian Ferentz, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator. I've seen on the Twitter a lot of fans being upset with Brian Ferentz specifically and Kirk Ferentz and how he is reacting to questions and handling the father-son dynamic when you're when you're the father, your son's under you as a coach, and your son is not doing a good job, but you won't let your son go. I don't know how all that works out in the athletic department, if he can mm-hmm. fire his son or if the AD has to do that, but you have more insight in, into that. Can Kirk Ferentz even fire his son on right now? Well, the way that they structured it and to get around the university nepotism laws is they made the athletic director, Gary Barta, he is the 
the superior, if you will, to Brian Ferentz. So ultimately, yeah, Kirk could not fire him because he doesn't have to answer to Kirk. Now we know that's not the way it is. And the way this athletic <laughs> department, look, a football coach has been there for 24 years. You know, it's not the AD running the athletic department. It's the football coach running the athletic department. Gary Barta has no pull. Gary Barta's had his own set of issues as athletic director. He has cost the university millions of dollars in litigation and some of the dumb things that he has done. He has no power. He has no control. And ultimately, Kirk, for all the things about him that frustrate fans and, and want to see some more evolution and, and becoming more of a 21st century team, even with the success that they have had. He is a guy that is about his guys. There is no way he's going to fire his son. There is no way that Gary Barta has the stones to do it as athletic director because he knows ultimately he actually answers to Kirk. So we're in this spot where not only is it terribly bad, not only have we seen one of the worst offenses the last two years in college football, but there's no hope that you're going to be able to get out of it anywhere else in the country. First of all, Brian would have made it to year six, but here we are. And there's no hope that he's going to be done after this year. It's an incredibly frustrating place to be as a fan, as somebody that covers this team game in and game out, because you know, ultimately we all love hope, right? It doesn't matter what level, if you're Ohio state level, it's hope of a playoff and a national championship for Iowa. It's getting to a championship game, winning a big 10 title, those types of things, getting to a bowl, good bowl game. Now that hope, has been pulled out of the fan base and, and pulled out of somebody in the media like me too. Well, the hope of those things happening is great. You want you want to believe and have hope that those things will happen. Iowa fans don't have that hope. But even if you are a, an Iowa fan that's always optimistic, I have, you say you have the formula so that the team can accomplish and go to back-to-back Big Ten Championship games. Well, you have to score points to do that. And in the big... 12, one Big 12 game of the two Big 10, three Big 10 games that they have played so far. Iowa really can't score against the big guys. Now, they scored 27 points against Nevada. Yeah. They also scored 27 points against Rutgers. Both of those were wins. Iowa State, Iowa only scored seven points. They only scored 14 points against the team up north. I refuse to say their name on this podcast. <laughs> they also only scored six points a week ago to Illinois. Can you explain to me? how that is possible. You're playing in a Big Ten conference. You know what it takes to win. You know what it takes to be successful. You want to go back to the same game you were play, you played in last year in Indianapolis, but even against a team like Rutgers, who's not the best team in the conference, you scored 27 points, but against other schools that are there, that are power five schools, seven points, 14 points, six points. Not a good formula to try to get back to where you were last year in Indianapolis. And, and this goes very deep. You mentioned the Rutgers game. Well, 14 of those 27 points came on defense. They yeah. had two defensive touchdowns in that game. Game one against South Dakota State, number one team at the FCS level. They're good. They scored seven. Four of those came from the defense and two safeties, only three points. And that was on a short field out of the offense. It's even worse than you even look when you look at those raw numbers. It's the 131st offense in the country, and it's every level. The quarterback play has been atrocious. Spencer Petras, how he is still the starter three years in, is one of the most mind-boggling things I have seen in my 42 years of watching Iowa football. It is absolutely ridiculous that this guy, who has never been good, who has regressed throughout his career, he still tried it out there. Not only that, you have the worst-ranked quarterback in the Power 5 level in Spencer Petras. He's also taken every snap this year. He's thrown two touchdowns in six games, oh and he's still taking every snap. You have a backup 
and Alex Padilla, who played a year ago. Yeah. When he played, Iowa was 4-0. He is not a statue like Petrus. He can move around a little bit. He has some wiggle to his game. He is not a dead duck in the pocket. And they refuse to play him. It, it's one of the most baffling things I've seen. And they recruited a kid from your neck of the woods out in Ohio, Joey Labus. He's a redshirt freshman. No chance. Carson May is a freshman. Now, this is either an indictment on your recruiting that you've recruited this poorly that you have four quarterbacks, three of which cannot play, or there's something else going on with Spencer Peters. But it's not just Peters. Look, he's bad. There's no doubt about it. Because it's not just that he's a statue. He has sailed passes all season long. He's missed on open plays. The makeables, he can't even make those. But it's not just that. This offensive line is brutal. I mentioned Football Outsiders has them ranked 121st in the country. They're very young. They're also very bad. Something we haven't seen in Kirk Ferentz's 24 years at this level, going back to probably his first and second year in 99 and 2000. So you have that component. The wide receiver group, you were decimated. Charlie Jones leaves after spring practice. He goes to Purdue. Right now, he's the leading receiver in the country. All right, that's a hurt right there. Not only that, your most talented receiver coming back, Keegan Johnson, he's played 15 snaps this year, and it's been a weird, weird story behind that. His dad played at Nebraska. Many people believe he's getting ready to head to Nebraska and uh, continue his career there. So you have that component with it. It's a wide receiver group that is bad, an offensive line that is bad, and a quarterback that is bad. You put it all together, that's why they're ranked 131st in the country. Oh, embarrassing. Last thing I have for you, Trent, it's about the defense. Mm -hmm. The defense is only giving up 154, 154 passing yards per game. Teams are only rushing. They're only allowing the Iowa defense 110.7 rushing yards per game. And in a game where we all know yards are going to be very, very important, Iowa's going to have to put up points, but then Iowa's defense is going to try to stop what I think is one of the best offenses in the country. Some say the best offense in the country. With those averages like that per game averages that Iowa's defense has right now, Buckeye fans might be thinking, oh, we can overcome them. I think it might be a little bit tougher at times than Buckeye fans think. What can you tell us what makes this defense so fearsful and not allow teams to really move the ball as freely as they would want to. So the first thing is the defensive coordinator, Phil Parker. He has been with Kirk throughout the all 24 years. So it was Norm Parker when they first started. That was a defensive coordinator. No relation between the two. Phil played at Michigan State. He's been a Big Ten guy. He's been all over the place. And for 24 years, he's been running the defensive backfield. You look at the guys that have been in the league. You know, people talk about Iowa's tight ends and offensive line getting the league. Look at the number of defensive backs, though, that have gone on and not just play, but play at a high level from the defensive backfield. That's Phil Parker. And now as a defensive coordinator over the last decade, he's taken this off uh, this defense and, and also taken it into the 21st century, done some different things. They're so fundamentally sound. And week in and week out, you hear about that. They are sound gap assignment. They are not going to be in the wrong spot. You couple that with the depth that they've been able to build up. You know, I think it was 2000, 2012. They're coming off a really good season and they got really worn down as the year went on because they only had you know five guys that they really trusted on the defensive line. Now they built that depth up. They have seven, eight, nine guys that they're very confident. So they have depth at defensive line. Jack Campbell, an All-American linebacker, disappointed Justin Jacobs, who you guys tried to swoop in late and get recruiting a couple of years back. He ultimately stayed with the Hawkeyes, and he was probably going to be a guy that left early for the NFL. He got injured a couple of games in this year, and unfortunately, he's not going to be there. But an Ohio guy that they're going to allow to travel with the team this weekend, which is really cool, and I know uh, hearing from some of the family there, he's really excited about that. But it's a defense that just, they know what they're supposed to do. They know their assignments. They're not going to mess up the assignments. Now, is it good enough against Ohio State? 
that is a concern. You can get Iowa a couple of places, and one of them is at Riley Moss's side. He takes a lot of chances. All-American preseason, had two pick sixes uh, to open the season a year ago against Indiana. He is a guy that will he'll gamble, and he can make some mistakes. And that's my concern against this Ohio State team because there's a lot of dudes that can beat you. So a little bit scary from that perspective, but I was not going to beat themselves. It's not going to be one where you get them out of spot. Though Michigan ran the ball pretty well against them. We've seen that at different times. I think Ohio State, probably their best course of action is just you have to be reliant on taking the plays except those eight, nine, 10 yard drives. The big plays are not going to be a pretty rarity against this team. If you accept that, if you're going to methodically move the football down the field and then make your touchdowns when you get in the red zone, I think the Buckeyes are going to be in good shape. The Buckeyes will probably be in a good shape. The Hawkeyes are going to try their best to make this a fight. You've heard the Hawkeye side of things. You've heard about the Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, what do you think the host of the Locked on Buckeyes podcast and Locked on Hawkeyes podcast We'll predict what do you think we'll say is going to happen Saturday at high noon. We'll discuss that next right here on the Locked on Buckeyes and Locked on Hawkeyes crossover. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting and football and at the start of the new basketball season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Trent, I'll turn it back over to you. You're the Hawkeyes. Hawkeyes are coming on the road. I like to let the guests come and let them know. And kind of, if you're the away team, go ahead and say, like, what you think might happen Saturday when the Hawkeyes and Buckeyes meet on the field for the first time since 2017? Well, we have the memories of 2017, and that's it. Uh, I, I just have no hope. You know, I told you a little bit earlier, Jam. I'm so beat down. I really am as a fan. You know, being there and watching – the worst offense in the country, it's tough. You know, it's hard to find something. We had the bye week, as you guys did this past week, and I'm thinking of different things and trying to find that hope and optimism, and it's just completely beat out of me. Speaking of bet online, my first bet of the week is I bet the team total under. As soon as it came out, I was team total is 10 and a half, and I took the under on that one again because I have no hope that they're going to be able to do anything. Now, could they get a defensive score? Could something happen? Could they get a short field, a block punt, things like that? Sure. But the offense is so bad, it's hard to come up with anything realistic. I've been at Ohio Stadium, and I've seen some ugly ones. 2005, Iowa goes up there with Drew Tate and company, and that got out of control in a hurry. And it was ugly on that day. I've been there in 2009, the, the de facto Big Ten championship game. Iowa played well there. I had an opportunity to come this year. Uh, my sister now lives in Cleveland, and her, her uh, fiancé is an Ohio State grad. We we're all going to go. And then I decided, you know what? I don't want to watch this. I just don't want to watch this team offensively in person outside of the games I go to in Kinnick Stadium. I think this is a beatdown. I think the defense is going to be on the field way too long for Iowa ultimately. And this thing's going to get ugly. I have Buckeyes winning it 38 to 3. 38 to 3. I was on a show, the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, which is a part mm-hmm. of the Locked On Network. Prior to the season, they were asking me about the Ohio State offense, and that's been the talk of the town. 
seemed like when I was on that show earlier, it was more offense, 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 not defense. I came on before the Notre Dame game. It was all offense, 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 not about the defense. And I think this game is going to be a statement game for the defense. I think that in this game, even though Iowa is not good, Ohio State had not held a single opponent, any opponent this year, to single digits scoring. None. A couple of teams scored 10. I don't have the exact numbers right in front of me, but nobody has scored just six or seven or three or four or five points in a game. I think this game is perfect and it's firmly the proper time for Ohio State's defense to hold their, the first opponent in this season to single digits scoring. I think you go three, I'll go six for Iowa. But I also said earlier in that game, earlier in the season, I mentioned the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, not just trying to plug the show, but simply to let remind everyone prior to the season, I said Ohio State would average 42 points a game. I think they're averaging like 47 to 48 points right now this season. Iowa's defense is good. An average, yes, you can have an average. Sometimes you're going to score less than the at your average, which is how it averages out. Some below, some higher. I think they'll average 42. They're averaging higher than that right now. I don't think they'll hit their season average this week, but I think they'll get above the 42 points that I thought they would average going into the season. I got 45 to six. Now, you may say, Jay, how does Iowa get six points? Well, I think three will come when the starters are on the field. I think three mm-hmm. points will come when the backups are on the field. That's how I get the six. I think most of the scoring from Ohio State will simply be when C.J. Stroud is rolling, roaming the field and controlling the offense. There might be a few longer drives. We've seen Ohio State, I think, score 45-plus points when they had a, like two or three drives of 10-plus plays or more. So they can, they can sustain drives that they need to. It's not really – something that they want to do. They want to stay on schedule and move the ball quickly, but if they have to draw plays out and draw draws drives out, they can do that. 45 to six. I want to go out on a limb and say that right now. I think it's, it can happen. I think it's realistic. Iowa fans, you probably don't like me, but right now I don't really care because I think Ohio state's just going to destroy Iowa on Saturday. I think you're exactly right. And getting to six, it, it might be three safeties. That might be more realistic than even two field goals out of this offense. Jay, I, I don't think you're going to get much hate. Yeah, there's going to be a couple, but you know how it is. I mean, there, yeah. there's always the, the died in the wool Hawkeye fans. Oh, how could you say that? I've been getting that every once in a while from people too. But I'm telling you, this fan base, we're so beat down right now. You're not going to get a whole lot of blowback here. It, it is This is, feels just so different. And that's another thing. It's fun. You know, I was excited this summer when I started with Lockdown Hawkeyes and I knew, you know, we had a possibility of doing a crossover. We could talk about 2017 and we could have the argument 2002 if the game actually would have happened and, and talk about this game. There's nothing to say here. I was terrible offensively and Brian Ferentz is going to probably be back and Kirk's going to be back and he's got $42 million still guaranteed on the Kirk Ferentz contract. That's where Iowa fans are at this point. Where was Kirk going? Dude, 67 years old. He wasn't yeah. leaving. Gary Barta, Boone Swoggled again, but hey, Jay, this has been so much fun. I Hopefully in the future, we'll get to a point where we can throw each other a little more crap back and forth. Well, how about basketball season? We'll do that because I'm excited about the Hawkeye team, and I think your Buckeyes are going to be a little better than people think on the hoop, on the hardwood, too. I think they'll be better. I am still a little uneasy about playing so many true freshmen, yes. like Chris Holtman has said, uh, especially with so many transfers. I think the first Oh, gosh. Uh, four or five weeks of the season will be a little um, nerve-wracking for me yeah. because I'm going to have to watch these games, cover these games, and people will be like, Jay, why are you so uh, anxious and nervous? 
because Chris Holtman has not proven to me that he can really coach things and develop a, a group of players collectively at Ohio State like you would want, but he has to do it right now, make them mesh, make them gel, have a player in Justice Suing come back who didn't play a year, a year ago, lose a player due to a medical retirement. Hey, man, basketball season right around the corner. I'm looking yeah. forward to that crossover down the road. But, Trent, I loved the one we had today. It was a lot of fun, Jay. Looking forward to Saturday, and uh, maybe the Hawkeyes can shock the world one more time. I'm not holding my breath. I'm not either, man. This is fun. You can follow me on Twitter at jsteven 7 Trent, what is your, your Twitter handle? It's just my name, at Trent County. You can find me. also host a daily radio show here in Des Moines on KXNO from 11 to 1 Central Time. As you can hear us, we talk a lot of Hawkeyes there as well on KXNO. This is the crossover you needed, the crossover we loved. You can, you can check me out as well on the Jay Stevens Podcast. I'm out of here. Wasn't planning on closing the show, but here we go, guys. Have a great day and get ready for what should be an interesting game for maybe a quarter and a half for Hawkeyes fans, <laughs> but for Buckeyes fans the entire time. I'm done throwing shots. Had it the one at the end of the show, guys. We're out of here. Have a great day and get ready for Saturday's matchup between the Buckeyes and the Hawkeyes.